Hey, this is Mark from the Boring Bible Cast, and I want to provide a resource for your daily Bible reading. Join me as I discuss any topic related to the Bible, and especially those that help grow your love for the Word of God. In today's episode, we will start part two of a series that we have called The Henry Cast. Now, if you aren't sure why it's called The Henry Cast, we have so named it after a man named Matthew Henry. If you've never heard of Matthew Henry, then you may not be familiar with the world of Bible commentaries. Few Bible commentators are better known than Matthew Henry. He was born in 1662 and died in 1714. The commentary on the whole Bible that bears Henry's name continues to be reprinted. Even though Matthew Henry only wrote Genesis to Acts, his lecture notes and his personal notes were compiled by his fellow peers and colleagues to finish from the end of Acts, which would be Romans to Revelation. What neat fact And before I start, I want to tell you that I'm getting this information from a very large book called A Puritan Theology, Doctrine of Life. And this was written by Joel Beakey and Mark Jones. Chapter 54. Like I said, this is a very large book. The title is Matthew Henry on a Practical Method of Daily Prayer. The first fact that hit me in the face like a ton of bricks was this sentence. Think about this. Now, of course, I'm not prescripting this. I'm not putting this weight on you as the fellow believer of Jesus. But just listen to how amazing. Henry spent eight hours a day in study, sometimes rising at 4 a.m. I don't know about you, But I cannot spend eight hours a day studying the Word of God. But that shows the dedication, the passion of Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry wasn't born at a rather prosperous time in England. Right around the time of his birth was something called the Great Ejection. Long story short, one of the kings wanted to divorce his wife to marry another woman because his wife could not bear him a son. But the Church of England would not let him do so. So he said, okay, forget you. I'm going to make my own. And so through a long chain of events, we see the Church of England distributing material to all of its ministers saying, this is how your services will run. They even wrote down prayers for them to preach. And if they did not follow the orders, they would be removed from their ministry. Well, this is where Matthew Henry's dad, Philip Henry, 
was a prominent minister. And he simply would not follow these orders based on his conviction, rightly so, based on his biblical beliefs. So around this time, Matthew Henry is born. And I don't want to give a long narrative of his life, but just to show you a little behind the scenes of where he was born and what happened around the time of his birth. So on page 878 of the Puritan Theology is where we will begin examining, looking into, and hopefully obtaining some more guidance for prayer. So in 1710, Henry published a method for prayer. Now, if, if you know anything about old-time authors, specifically Puritan authors, their book titles were rather long. But now we have the revised, updated, edited versions where they're much shorter. But the original title was A Method for Prayer with Scripture Expressions Proper to be Used Under Each Head. But in 1712, he preached sermons that were published as Directions for Daily Communion with God. These books reveal Henry's passion for biblical spirituality. It was incredibly difficult for a busy pastor and author of a massive, massive Bible commentary to find time to also write about prayer. Think about it. He wrote a commentary and notes, of course, that were compiled, like we said earlier, on the entire Bible, all 66 books. And he also had time to write a book on prayer. We're going to consider Henry's directions on prayer from the second book that we mentioned just to show us what great privileges, what great blessings that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. Henry wrote in his diary, I love prayer. It is that which buckles on all the Christian's armor. Since the Christian must wear God's armor at all times, he must pray without ceasing. According to Henry, the access that Christians have to God and Christ gives them, and we're going to go through eight things that Henry lists that comforts my soul, that I pray also comforts your soul in time of need. The first one, a companion ready in all their solitudes, so they so that they are never less alone than when alone. Do we need better society than fellowship with the Father? What we have access to because of our union with Christ is a companion when we are the most lonely whenever it's 11 p.m. Nobody is around and we're in our rooms by ourselves lonely. We have a companion who's with us. A companion who lives within us. I love the question. Do we need better society than fellowship with the Father? We have a companion. This companion 
is accessed through prayer. We spend our time in prayer knowing that we have a companion, one that has come up beside us and comforts us. Number two, a counselor ready in all their doubts. A guide who has promised to direct with his eye to lead us in the way wherein we should go. Not only do we have a companion, which who doesn't need a companion? Whether you're married or single, you need a companion. And we have a companion. And secondly, we have a counselor in all of our doubts. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. We can see through the Holy Scriptures and with the Holy Spirit inside of us being counseled in Psalm 73:24, which Henry quotes. This counselor is a guide. Who he has promised to direct us with his eye. I, I like this term eye. It's an anthropomorphism. Now don't leave. Don't run away from that term. Anthropomorphism just simply means God is spiritual. God doesn't have a body. God doesn't have eyes. He does not have hands. But whenever we use the word God's eye or God's hand, we always pray, Lord, I pray that your hand would be on their life. We are ascribing something that we can see, something that we can know to God. And oftentimes in Scripture, especially the Psalms, this is what happens. So the Holy Spirit is a counselor to us, a guide. He has promised to direct us with his eye. He can see the future. Of course, he can control the future. He will lead us in the way we should go. Isn't that beautiful imagery? So we have a companion in all our loneliness. We have a counselor when we don't know what to do, don't know where to turn. Third, we have a comforter, he says, a comforter ready in all their sorrows to support sinking spirits and be the strength of a fainting heart. Brother or sister today, do you have a sinking spirit or a fainting heart? We have a comforter who's ready. And all eight points here, we will notice the common refrain, ready in all their blank. So a companion ready in all, all their solitudes, a counselor ready in all their doubts. A comforter ready in all their sorrows. I love the term ready. He is ready. He's waiting. He, he is more than able to comfort us. But where will we turn to be comforted? Will we comfort ourselves like I do with food and phone? Will we comfort ourselves with alcohol and drugs or sex? Will we comfort ourselves with any other thing? But will we run to the great comforter in all our sorrows? When we have a sinking spirit and a fainting heart, we run to him to be comforted by him. 
Number four, a supply ready in all their wants. They have access to God, have access to a full fountain, an inexhaustible treasure, a rich mind. So not only do we have a companion, a counselor, a comforter, we have a supply who is ready in all our wants. Listen to this. This is you if you are a brother or sister in Christ. They that have access to God have access to a full fountain, an inexhaustible treasure, a rich mind. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, Peter tells us in his first letter. We are blessed beyond measure. Life life can suck. Life can be hard. We can be alone. We can be doubting. We can be sorrowful. We, we are very needy creatures, but he is our supply. But with God, we have access to a full fountain, and we can turn to him. We can have confidence to approach the throne of God with boldness. Let us do that today. Number five. A support ready in all their burdens. They have access to him as Adonai, my Lord. My stay and the strength of my heart. He quotes Psalm 73, verse 26. So yes, we have a supply. He will supply all of our needs. He knows what we need before we even ask. But we have a support when life is weighing us down with these burdens, He is our support. He is who we depend on. He is our stay, and He is the strength of my heart. When our fainting heart can beat no longer, He is the strength of our heart. We remind ourselves of the gospel, of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and his ascension, that before all eternity, the Father had decided to give a people to the Son, and the Son had decided to enter into this covenant with the Father, to die, to, to obey the law for his, the people that the Father selected, elected, and to die on their behalf. And the Spirit would indwell those people that their eyes would see their hearts would feel and it's nothing that we deserve we do not beat our chest we have nothing nothing in our own selves number six a shelter ready in all of their danger a city of refuge near at hand the name of the lord is a strong tower he quotes Proverbs 18, verse 10. Where do you run to? Where do I run to? Where is our shelter? I don't know about you, but there's... When terrible tragedy happens, whenever we're exhausted, whenever we're tired, he is a shelter ready in all of their dangers. He is a city of refuge. Listen to this, brother or sister. Near at hand. 
We don't need to perform good works to get his attention. We don't need to metaphorically scale the mountains to get him. He's ready at hand. He's near at hand. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. We have a companion when we're lonely. A counselor when we're doubting. A comforter when we're sorrowful. A supply when we are needy. A support when we're under our burdens. A shelter when we're in danger. And seven, strength. Ready for all their performances and doing work, fighting work. He is their arm every morning. He quotes Isaiah 33, verse 2. The Lord is my strength, we hear all the time. The Lord is my strength. But really, what other strength do we have? We might have our own strength and our own self-sufficiency. But what kind of strength is that? We fail every day. We are the unmost we are the most unreliable creatures on the face of the earth. Will we trust in ourselves? Or we trust in Christ? Or we trust in God's strength? He's a strength ready for all their performances and doing work, and he clarifies fighting work. We fight sin daily. We put to death the misdeeds of the body, Romans tell. Romans tells us. But we do this in the strength that we have been given. We don't do it in our own strength. And this is why Matthew Henry needed to pray. This is why we need to pray. This is why Jesus tells us and shows us how to pray. Because we don't have the strength that we think we have. We must rely on the spirit that indwells us. Lastly, number eight, salvation ensured by a sweet and undeceiving earnest. If he thus guides us by his counsel, he will receive us to glory. God is our salvation. There's this doctrine that people rightfully wrestle with, the doctrine, the doctrine of, the, of the perseverance of the saints or the preservation of the saints. Or you might be familiar with the simple sentence once saved always saved what a great confidence to know that we are sealed with the spirit that this is a work that was set out from all eternity past that we have the spirit living within us who is just it's just a foretaste of what will happen in the future and here's this beautiful truth. If he thus guides us by his counsel, he will receive us to glory. In my mind, I just picture heaven and the marriage supper of the Lamb. Knowing that the only reason we're there is because of the gr mercy and grace of God. Knowing that we didn't deserve any of it. But here's our salvation. He will keep us. Nothing will separate us. From the love of God. We are saved. Justified. And will be glorified. Not because of our faithfulness to him. But because his faithfulness to us. I want to end. 
by mentioning a few more things that Matthew Henry said. In, in light of the first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer, Henry wrote, Let not self, carnal self, be the spring and center of your prayers, but God, let the eye of the soul be fixed upon him as your highest end in all your applications to him. Let this be the habitual disposition of your souls, to be to your God for a name and a praise, and let this be your design in all your desires. That God may be glorified, and by this let them all be directed, determined, sanctified, and when need is overruled. The author then goes, Just as a letter must be properly addressed to reach its intended recipient, so our prayers must be addressed to God. And to close, Henry says, Give him his titles, as you do. When you direct to a person of honor, direct your prayer to him as the God of glory, with whom is terrible majesty, and whose greatness is unsearchable. Do not forget that sweet name which Christ especially taught us to use in prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, then take your letter and put it in the hand of the Lord Jesus, the only mediator between God and man. And he will deliver it with care and speed and will make our service acceptable. To wait on God is to live a life of desire towards him, delight in him, dependence on him, and devotedness to him. Brother or sister, I pray that this lifts you up. I pray that you would know what access we have to in our prayer, in prayer. This is why prayer is so important. I would like to briefly say what we have in summary. A companion when we're lonely. A counselor when we're doubting. A comforter when we're sorrowful. A supply when we're needy. A support when we're burdensome. A shelter in all our danger. Re a strength ready for all our performances. A salvation ensured by a sweet and undeceiving earnest. We know that he will keep us. We know that he has renewed our minds. We know that he has taken out the heart of stone and given us the heart of flesh. And we can rest in the finished work of Christ, knowing that he has poured out his blood for us. In Jesus' name.